in order to confront Satan and drive him back to hell. It is a ceremony that dates back hundreds and perhaps thousands of years and is considered quite controversial even within the Catholic Church. I torment you by the blood of Christ. When I'm battling Satan, there are a lot of mind games going on, and it's a bit of a chess match. You think you have her, don't you? Don't you? Yes. You think she's yours, don't you? Mm -hmm. Well, she's not. So I have to be mentally and spiritually prepared for that. How long have you had her? No. Yeah. Well, now it's going to be a short time. Torment! Torment! Torment you! But just who, or what, is Satan? And why is he determined to corrupt all of humanity? Perhaps the answers can be found in the myths and legends that describe Satan's ancient origins. Can you pass me the, the board, the exercise board? In the beginning, Hello. Satan was one of the angels that was Hello? created by God before the physical yeah. universe was created. And there was basically a sphere of angels around God worshiping yeah, God. <laughs> and Satan at that time was Lucifer, or the day star. He was the brightest of the angels. Satan is actually one of the archangels. He is one of the high angels, one of the highest ranking, one of the most beautiful, the most beloved. He is beloved of God. He is a bringer of light. When God created man in his image, he ordered all the angels to uh, worship his image in this man. And Satan refused. He says, look, they're mud people. We're made out of fire. I'm not going to do it. And so he gets kicked out. He grew arrogant. He began to challenge God. And for this arrogance, he lost his heavenly position. He was thrown out of the heavens and fell. When Lucifer was cast down, it was instant and abrupt and total. And he was cast down to earth to roam here until the end of time. Although few references are made to Satan in the Hebrew Testament, he is depicted as an opposer or accuser and is generally acknowledged to have been the inspiration for the serpent in the Garden of Eden. One of the great stories in the Bible is Adam and Eve in the Garden. You know, we have this picture of a beautiful garden scene and Adam and Eve in their innocence just enjoying God and each other and this beautiful creation. And all of a sudden enters Satan in the form of a snake. And he finds Eve close to the one thing, the one law God gave mankind. According to the book of Genesis, God placed two trees in the garden, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, and forbade Adam and Eve to eat fruit from the tree of knowledge. Satan convinces Eve to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she convinces Adam to do that. And of course we see that suddenly their whole personality changes. Prior to eating of the forbidden fruit, Adam and Eve were sinless. It means that the one law that God gave them, uh, they had not disobeyed. Satan himself decided that if he could get them to break that one law, then sin would enter mankind. And when Adam ate 
all mankind from that point on has been selfish, prideful, and were genetically given the ability and really the desire to rebel against authority and thus obtain the knowledge of good and evil. But is this story of Adam and Eve really a fanciful account of how evil entered the world? Or might there be another, even more profound explanation? You can make a case that Eve actually wants to mature. She wants to grow up. God wants to keep us in a state of perpetual innocence, infantility perhaps. Eve decides that knowing everything she can know about this world into which she has been placed is more important even than obeying a particular command of God. The serpent enables her. Satan's wanting to give humanity all this incredible wisdom that maybe can even elevate humankind to the level of God's. But the Old Testament God, Yahweh, is saying, not so fast. Humankind are, are perhaps worthy of this knowledge, and this becomes then the battle between God and Satan. Was the serpent's temptation of Adam and Eve really a case of sabotage? Was it a deliberate effort to seduce mankind into sinning against its creator? Or might Satan's real purpose have been to encourage mankind to share the fruits of God's wisdom? Ancient astronaut theorists believe more clues may lie in another book of the Hebrew Testament. Southern Israel. This dry, sun-blasted desert was once the realm of Edom, an ancient kingdom that some researchers believe was home to the biblical figure Job. According to the Hebrew Bible, Job was among the wealthiest men in the kingdom and owned enormous herds of cattle, sheep, and camels. He was also among the most righteous, making sacrifices to the Almighty God to atone for his transgressions and the sins of his family. In the story of Job, Satan is part of the heavenly council of angels and the council meets and God is at the council meeting and basically he and Satan have a discussion and God says, you know, look at Job, he's, he's very faithful and Satan in charge of quality control and says, well, of course, you know, you give him everything, what do you expect? And Satan actually challenges God and says, if Job were tempted, if he no longer had all of these wonderful things that God had given to him, what happens to him then? Satan convinces God that Job should be tested to see if he is really all that good. And this is where Satan becomes the first adversary, the first tester of humans. So it's interesting in this story, Satan is actually working with God as a kind of member of his staff or his heavenly council. The divine council of God is very interesting because we learned that it is composed of various angelic beings, including Satan. And the idea is that these are advanced beings who carry out God's orders and God's wishes from the commands of this council. 
you, it really seems like we're seeing some kind of divine bureaucracy, something like you would see in a corporate or a governmental bureaucracy. Could our notion of Satan as an evil force be incorrect? Ancient astronaut theorists believe there are... Did you know Google makes a phone? Sure, it's beautiful, but it does things other phones can't do, which is how it helps take annoying items out of pictures. Introducing our newest Google Pixel phones. Switch now. Get Pixel 7 or Pixel 7 Pro for free with qualifying trade-in. There is much more to the story. And that the answer may be found not only in the pages of the Hebrew Bible, but on ancient scrolls. Scrolls whose origins date back thousands of years. Qumran, the West Bank. Here, during a series of excavations beginning in 1949, archaeologists unearthed hundreds of ancient scrolls. They are believed to have been written by a Hebrew sect known as the Essenes more than 2,000 years ago. Several of the scrolls contain fragments of what has become known as the Book of Enoch and the account of a rebellion launched by a group of angels called the Watchers. One of the most famous parts of the Book of Enoch is the story of the Watchers. This is a story about 200 angels that were charged with watching over mankind in its early stages and basically taking care of us, looking out for us. The Watchers are a group of angels who are dispatched to watch humans and to help humans. Now the Watchers are very interesting because they are angels who interact with humans. And there's a brief reference to this in Genesis. But the Book of Enoch essentially expands that story and tells a more full story. This was taken out of the canon of the Bible early in the church's life, but it was in for a period of time. Once the Watchers begin to interact with humans, they become infatuated with this new species and they become lustful of this new species. And all of a sudden, the original idea, the original commands that they were given seem a lot less interesting to them. They came to a point where they wanted to take wives and have children, and so they decided to rebel, create bodies, marry, and bear children. According to the Book of Enoch, the leader of this rebellion is a watcher known as Shemyaza, or Satanael. Could this be the same character we know as Satan? So what we're seeing in the story of Shemyaza and the watchers it's very similar to the story of Lucifer in charge of the angels. In both cases, we're confronted with a hierarchy of a species which is between us and God, the leader of which disagrees with God and basically wants to live amongst mankind. When you look at the different versions of the Book of Enoch, the one thing that combines all of them is that they talk about the watchers, the watchers from heaven. And they are the ones who gave knowledge. And when I look at terms such as watchers from heaven, then personally, I interpret them as possible extraterrestrials. 
ancient accounts of Shemyaza's revolt and Lucifer's fall suggest that Satan's efforts to corrupt mankind in the Garden of Eden were actually an attempt to give man forbidden knowledge. And might these legends be based not on myth, but on actual historical events? Events involving extraterrestrial visitors. Ancient astronaut theorists say yes, and believe that close examination of the Book of Enoch may point to physical evidence of where Satan's so-called rebellion against God may have actually occurred. Mount Hermon, Lebanon. Straddling the border of Syria, this legendary mountain, as described in the Book of Enoch, is the peak where Shemyaza and the Watchers descended to Earth. In the Book of Enoch, there's a reference to Mount Hermon. We see the angels basically descending to Mount Hermon. So Mount Hermon was both a place of connection with heaven and kind of a sally port between Earth and heaven. The Watchers, being angels from heaven, knew the sciences of heaven. Semyaza was basically an expert in enchantment and root cutting. You could think of it as basically witchcraft, uh, the casting of spells, creating magic, and using roots to create potions. The Book of Enoch lists very specifically the subjects that are taught to humans by the Watchers, by these angels who begin to share their wisdom with them. The Book of Enoch describes Mount Hermon as the place where Shemyaza taught humans about magic and medicine. Other powerful angels passed on knowledge of metallurgy, weapons, astrology, science, and even warfare. The Watchers delivered to humanity the forbidden knowledge of God. All the stories in ancient cultures, cross-cultural, had these tales of beings that would deliver the, f the forbidden knowledge of the gods to humans, and they were all condemned for it. The Watchers, through Shemyaza, give us extraordinary tools which make our lives much, much better on Earth. So is Shemyaza really a bad guy, or did he in fact liberate humans from ignorance? And if Shemyaza I've been getting paid $1,000 a month, if not more, just from this app on my phone. And I don't know if you can see this, but it's called Audible. Okay, so I'm going to show you. Right here, I have a check from Audible. This is for $1,100. Uh, this one's for $1,100 again. And then this one is $1,200. Every month, I am getting paid by Audible. For those of you that don't know what Audible is, it's actually a child company of Amazon, which is one of the largest marketplaces in the world. So Audible is where people normally buy and sell audiobooks and podcasts. And the first time I learned about this was three years ago from Christian. So Christian would put up these audio files onto Audible and just like that, he would get paid. So I saw this and I said, I could, I could do that. So then I started doing it, and then within a few months, I was able to quit my job, and I started traveling the world with Christian. So I taught the same process to my mom, and now she's making about $900 a month. Then I decided to teach my little brother, 
who's in college right now so that he can pay off his student loans. So the best part about this is that it is so beginner friendly and I want to show you how easy it is. Obviously this is an ad so I can't really show you anything but if you click the link below you'll be able to attend a free training that Christian put together and it goes over the exact same steps that he taught me, my mom, and my little brother. It's a simple training and it's just four steps about how you can start leveraging Audible today. And honestly, three years ago, I knew nothing actually is the forerunner of Satan. Has Satan actually been misrepresented all of these years? Is it possible that Chamyaza and the other Watchers were extraterrestrial beings that gave humanity the foundations for civilization? Then if so, how did Satan come to be so misunderstood and misinterpreted by history? If we equal Shimiyasi and Satan, what we're confronted with here is a larger framework which basically tells us that Shimiyasa, Satan, were here to civilize us. The Watchers were civilizing deities. They basically helped us to develop our skills of civilization. And so what we're confronted with here it's basically the conclusion that civilization, the way we know it, is not something divine, but it's literally satanic. It was Satan who gave us the tools of civilization. Was Satan really a civilizing force for early humans, as some ancient astronaut theorists believe? And if so, might further evidence be found by examining other ancient myths and legends? In ancient Sumeria, you have these very curious stories of the Anunnaki. The Anunnaki were half god, half man, who came down from the stars. They were instructing the Sumerians in various arts of civilization. They were very strange looking. They had elongated heads. They looked almost like insect-type people, or what they call reptilian features, in a sense, or a viper visage, as the Watchers were called in the Bible. In global cultures, we find constant references to these giant celestial beings coming to Earth and initiating or instructing humankind. Satan himself is considered to be a seraphim, which means winged serpents or fiery serpents. But yet the word seraphim contains the word ser meaning serpent and rephim meaning giant. Was the character we know as Satan really an extraterrestrial being? One who broke with his own species in order to live among our distant ancestors. Did he? along with other so-called fallen angels, actually break with God, not out of spite or arrogance, but instead to help mankind. Perhaps further clues can be found in legends of a flying serpent, and in the story of a titan who is savagely punished for all eternity. Yucatan Peninsula. Here in the
the jungles of southern Mexico lie the ruins of the great Mayan city, Chichen Itza. Constructed more than a thousand years ago, Chichen Itza was one of the largest and most powerful cities in the Mayan world. And dominating the site is the great pyramid, El Castillo. A temple built to honor the Mayan serpent god, Kukulkan. Kukulkan is the name for Satan or for the winged serpent. He's always portrayed as a wisdom-bearing being who delivers this cosmic knowledge to humankind. Often we'll see Kukulkan portrayed as half-human or half-serpent or as a human being coming out of the mouth of a serpent. This is how Christianity will traditionally portray Satan as a dragon figure or a serpentine-like being. The question is, why is he depicted as such? And I think we really can find out that Kukulkan is not unique in this sense. One of the most powerful gods in the Mayan pantheon, Kukulkan was believed to have descended from the stars. He is also credited with teaching astronomy, mathematics, and agriculture to mankind. This is identical to the Christian tradition of Satan being the serpent of the tree of knowledge delivering the forbidden wisdom to humanity. In the book of Enoch, we learn of the watchers who are described as having visages of vipers or the face of a serpent and delivering this powerful knowledge to humankind. So it's possible that what we're seeing in all of these instances is the same figure or representative of the same tribe of angels, the satanic beings or these serpentine-like angel beings. Are the stories of Satan and Kukulkan really based on the same being, as many ancient astronaut theorists believe? And if so, might this same character also be found in the myths and legends of other ancient cultures. Satan is a creature who comes out of nowhere to live amongst mankind and teaches is not something which is limited to the Bible. We find it in most traditions across the world. According to the legends of ancient Greece, the titan known as Prometheus sinned against the gods by stealing the secret of fire and giving it to man. For his transgression, he was doomed to suffer a gruesome, eternal punishment. I'm making this quick video because it has been one month since joining the Cashflow 101 system. And so what I wanted to do is make this video to show you the results that I've gotten in my first month joining the system. And so uh, you see here, there's tons, tons of packages. I don't know exactly how many. Got to calculate it right here. We're going to calculate the running total. And I'm just going to show you what kind of result uh, that I've gotten since joining this system. Now, guys, the craziest part about all of this is that the only thing that I did was plug into the system, follow the instructions, and then literally get this cash sent directly to me, hassle-free. I don't do any selling, I don't do any closing, I don't do really anything. The system takes care of it all for me, which is uh, insane that uh, I plugged into a system, and now I'm literally getting cash sent directly to me. So let's go ahead and count this up. It's the first package. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's a thousand. Three. So we got 3,800. So I'm going to go ahead and put that in the calculator. 
3800 I don't know about you, I don't know what your income level is, but right here, just one package, one person signed up, it sent me $3,800. This would be more than enough to replace most people's income in a month. Alright, so we got a second package.
There is a continuity in the stories that cannot be dismissed. One of those continuities is the story of the Great Flood. That's reflected in the Babylonian text and the Hebrew text and the Egyptian text. They all mention something similar. When you do a deep survey into the myths from around the world, it talks about a dark world and the end of an age. And then there's this cataclysm and this flood occurs and the individual escapes the flood. And then after that, it is the beginning of this golden age. stories talk about how Prometheus is basically like their representative. Another such deity was the god Viracocha. Worshipped by the ancient Inca in the Andes of South America, Viracocha was a powerful creator god who came to earth to pass on celestial knowledge. Like Prometheus, this Incan god was described as a bringer of light and is depicted in ancient Incan sculpture as holding two lightning bolts and wearing the sun as a crown. The Inca described a luminous being called Viracocha or Viracocha who brought knowledge of medicine, astronomy, and other advanced sciences. It's possible that Viracocha is the same as Shemyasa or Satan as a figure bringing this liberating wisdom to humankind that seeks to bring us along the path of advancement and enlightenment. So you have to ask yourself, why would such diverse cultures have such similar mythologies? In the case of Viracocha, what we see is a deity which manifests itself on Earth, lives amongst mankind, gives us sciences, and after a number of years, disappears again. Ancient Egyptians had cults that worshipped the god Set, a divine being who, like Satan, ruled over darkness and chaos. The tradition of civilizing deities who go around civilizing, educating us, is something which we find in all traditions, whether they are the great cultures of Egypt, Inca, or the Mayan empires, or smaller cultures elsewhere in the universe. And so what we're finding is that the story of Satan as a civilizing deity is definitely not unique, but sits within a clear framework across the entire world. And it shows you that the importance of Satan is not just something limited to the Bible, but really tells us an awful lot about civilization as a whole. Could it be that these ancient myths were actually describing the same creature? the fallen angel we now refer to as Satan. But how then did a creature who is so often credited with bringing mankind knowledge and enlightenment become thought of as the personification of all things evil? The word Lucifer comes from Latin, 
makes looks fare, making light. It's the same as in the Greek mythology Prometheus, who stole the light from the gods. It's really a sympathetic idea that all these figures are finally just one figure in different languages, but they were sympathetic to the humans. It is quite possible that our religious traditions and those who selected the old holy texts some thousands of years ago, they made out an evil figure out of Lucifer and the devil. And maybe it was the other way around. He was the good one. When we're looking at something like Satan, we're not necessarily talking about morality, but we're actually exploring things about our ancestors. We're exploring mythology. We're exploring accounts of our ancestors saying that they developed civilization, not on their own, but with the help of non-human intelligences. And in the case of one such story, we see that that intelligence is Satan. In many ways, Satan may well be a person, a god, an angel, an ET, who's maligned in a sense. Lucifer is Prometheus. He's the light bringer. He's the god of hard work. He's the one who brings us fire. He's the one who gives us the opportunity to do things ourselves. If the biblical character of Satan is really based on an extraterrestrial being, one who stole technology from his masters in order to benefit early man, then why is he now reviled as a creature of consummate evil? Ancient astronaut theorists believe the answer may lie not in ancient scriptures, but in numerous accounts of demonic possession. Klingenberg, Germany. Located 32 miles southeast of Frankfurt. This small city is home to one of the most famous and frightening cases of demonic possession ever recorded. In September 1973, a young woman named Annalisa Mikkel began hearing voices that told her she was damned and would rot in hell. When medical treatments failed, she sought the help of an exorcist. associated with Satan. According to Christian tradition, possession occurs when a demon enters the body, corrupting a person's physical and spiritual being. The belief in demonic possession is widespread and seems to show up pretty much all over the planet. There was believed to be the presence of a satanic energy truly dark, terrible evil that could take over a person, take over their body, take over their mind, 
and they would be acting with no free will. They would be a complete slave to the power of the dark side. Demons manifest on Earth to interact with people, to afflict us and tempt us in various ways. The oppression involves physically wounding us, attacking us, causing effects on our body and our mind. Possession is when we surrender our lower faculties to them and they take over our body and use it as their own. And in rare cases, they can appear visibly to multiple people as supposed human spirits. Most Christians believe demons are evil incarnations of the other angels who followed Lucifer in his rebellion against the Almighty God. They bear names like Beelzebub, Asmodeus, Moloch, and Mammon, and are dedicated to corrupting the souls of mankind. Biblically speaking, the demonic comes from the fallen angels those who fell with Lucifer during the great wars in heaven. And their purpose is to deceive humanity, to lead them astray, to distract them from God. And there are many castes. They range from your basic thugs on the bottom all the way up to your, if you will, your intelligentsia that is governing behind the scenes of the affairs of mankind. It is essentially, a, you can imagine, a military structure with generals, officers, privates. There's basically nine levels, which are fallen angels of various ranks serving under each other, ultimately serving Satan. In many religious traditions, there are sacred rites to exercise these demons from the bodies of the afflicted. Let her go. Let her go. I come against you again, Satan, by the blood of Christ. The Reverend Bob Larson is an evangelical minister and exorcist who says he has come face to face with the demonic and the truly satanic. By the blood of Christ, I torment you, Satan. She belongs to God. Torment you. I torment you by the blood of Christ. Torment you. I'm here to be an instrument of God, to cast out the devil, to free human souls. It's not my power that does it, it's God's power. I'm simply the instrument that he uses. But my mission is to get every demon possible out of every possible human being and send them straight to hell. How long have you had her? Send me some oil, please. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How long have you had this woman? How many generations? How many generations? The demon is metaphysical. It is invisible. It's spirit. It doesn't have a physical body. So a demon can't really do anything evil. A demon can't start a war, can't pull the trigger of a gun, can't rape anybody. A demon needs a body to accomplish its evil purposes. So demons are looking to inhabit human souls so that through the physicality of human beings, they can bring about their plan of death and destruction. According to Larson and other Christian theologians, demonic forces have always been present on Earth, and demons are continually traveling to Earth to sow the seeds of ruin.
where exactly are they coming from? Is it hell? Or perhaps someplace else? Both the Jewish and Christian scriptures, as well as other religious books that delve into the subject of demonism, never fully describe the nature of their existence, where they operate. It seems to be in a kind of parallel reality, another dimension, out of our time-space continuum. They're there, we're here. Einstein opened a little bit of a door into the possibility of other realms. We are getting a small glimpse of the reality that exists beyond our understanding. We just need to know there's another realm out there, and when I do an exorcism, I step in and out of those realms. I'm in the physical, natural realm, but I'm also invading the realm in which demons operate. So I step from the physical into the metaphysical. I don't have to understand what's going on. On most vacations, you take a trip. But in Israel, you'll take a journey you'll never forget. On there, I'm on a simple mission. Not to find out everything I can about that world, but to get the demon out of the human soul. Might devils and demons really be beings from another realm? And might that realm not be hell, but an actual extraterrestrial world? And are they really malevolent? Or might they have another, perhaps even more profound agenda? Ancient astronaut theorists believe the answers may be found in the mysterious prophecies of the Book of Revelation. from Nazareth. This ancient city is mentioned more than a dozen times in the Bible, most prominently in the prophetic book of Revelation. According to the religious text, it is outside this city on the so-called plains of Megiddo, where the forces of the Almighty God will wage a final battle against Satan and the forces of evil. The book of Revelation is certainly one of the most complicated books in the Bible, and it belongs to a separate set of material. It's called apocalyptic. It is a book that gives visions of the future to come. There's a battle that will take place in a valley in Israel called Megiddo or Har Megiddo, thus Armageddon, we get the term. Satan himself will gather the armies of the world to Megiddo to fight Jesus Christ. Satan takes on a more physical appearance, uses various technologies to enslave more and more of mankind. Ultimately, he becomes a geopolitical force, basically, essentially a dictator of the entire world. The Book of Revelation further describes that this battle will be fought in heaven and on earth. Angels will descend from the sky. Demons will spread out across the land to destroy with fiery swords. 
and the Almighty God will rain destruction down upon earth. The book of the Revelation is really a pretty terrifying document if we're to look at it and think that these things could happen literally. I mean, when you look at what's happening in the book, we have cataclysms on the earth, we have earthquakes, we have fire raining from the sky, we have angels doing battle in heaven. And then repeatedly we have Satan coming back. But could it be that this biblical prophecy isn't a doomsday prediction of cataclysm and war, but it has another, even more profound interpretation? The book of Revelation gives us some of the clearest depictions of what not a few moderns would call extraterrestrial activity. Think about it. We have supernatural beings flying through the cosmos, blowing trumpets, casting fire upon the earth. We have great conflict between light and darkness, good and evil. There's a cosmic dualism going on here that involves, in the end, the reassertion of divine authority over those wayward angels who had gone astray so long ago. Extraterrestrial combat? Could the Bible's book of Revelation really be referring to a galactic war? One waged over the ultimate fate of mankind. If so, who or what is Satan? Is he a demon, the devil, the personification of evil? Or was he, in fact, a benevolent extraterrestrial being? One who stole technology from alien beings in an effort to leave early man out of darkness and ignorance. A house or a laptop? Which one do you think is worth more? Well, definitely not the house because it not only costs millions to buy, but you also have to pay thousands to maintain it every month. But what if I told you that I've made over $80 million all from something called digital real estate on my laptop? Digital real estate costs nearly nothing to start, and it creates real online assets that have the potential to generate income. And I'm surprised, frankly, that nobody else is talking about this right now. But if you don't want to hear more about it, just skip this video. So my name is Jeff Lerner, and I did not become a multimillionaire the traditional way. I didn't work 40 years for the man. I didn't invent anything. Definitely didn't inherit a trust fund or win the lottery. But I did take advantage of digital real estate, and since then, I've generated over $80 million. I've been on the Inc. 5000 list twice, won a bunch of other awards, and most importantly, I've helped tens of thousands of other people with what I've learned. And now, for the first time ever, I'm sharing how you can also unlock the secrets of digital real estate and create your own incredible life, all in a simple book called The Millionaire Shortcut. Now, I'm not going to do this forever, but for right now, The Millionaire Shortcut is 100% free. No catch, no shipping costs, no credit card and i'll send this right to your email so you can download it instantly so click the link on your screen right now go to my website and enter your email to download your free copy and this book is less than 20 pages you could be reading it in the next five minutes and you'll be done in the next hour and i promise it's going to be the most powerful book that you'll ever read on how it can be possible to take advantage of digital real estate and create your own incredible legacy in this new economy now, did you know 
Every single day in America, there are over 1,700 new millionaires created, and it's more than double that across the globe. People are becoming millionaires now faster and easier than ever before. But how are they doing it? And more importantly, can an average American do it too? Well, that's exactly what you're going to learn about in this book. Plus, after you get the book, I'm going to give you access to a free bonus video training where I'll show you how I build digital real estate as well as the blueprint for how you can apply this to your life. So make sure that you watch that entire video. So with that said, click the link on your screen, enter your email address, and I'll send you a free copy of the book right now. Plus, you'll also get the free bonus training on how to apply it to your life. After this is done, it's almost done. If so, then why did Satan become a force for evil? Does he seek to punish mankind for siding with our Creator against him? Perhaps he is testing us. Using alien technology to modify human behavior in ways we have yet to understand. Is this idea of an adversary, this idea um, of a liar or a tester, combined with this concept of Lucifer, the fallen angel, combined with this leader of the Watchers, who also leads a rebellion. And I think that ultimately what we find is that Lucifer is a conflation, a character who is a composite of all of these different ideas and different characters. It's important for us to remember that Satan is part of the class of angels called seraphim. The seraphim were sent to earth as benefactors of humankind, bringing wisdom. The church has created this evil monster out of Satan, perhaps even out of thin air, when in reality, Satan's entire mission was about bringing knowledge and wisdom to humanity, and in fact, caring about humanity, not seeking to destroy humankind. In a sense, Satan's not such a bad guy. You cannot have the light without the dark. You can't have right without wrong. And we have to learn these things for ourselves. And ultimately, uh, through choice, wrong and right, we grow and we become who we are. And ultimately, that is to be like our makers, to, to become gods ourselves. Might Satan's reputation as the personification of evil really have been his punishment for giving mankind scientific knowledge? If so, might his evil acts really be expressions of revenge against the human creatures that abandoned him? Or are the evil deeds associated with Satan really a part of a grand plan, a series of moral challenges intended to prepare us for our next and perhaps final close encounter? Thank you.